Welcome to Conversations with Achievers. I'm your host, Robert White. I'm a mentor to owners, executives, and their teams, and CEO of Extraordinary People, LLC. I work with people that want to create extraordinary business performance with less stress, more joy, and more personal fulfillment. So sit back, relax, and prepare to learn from your peers as we explore what it takes in terms of attitudes, habits, and behaviors that achieve extraordinary results. Results for yourself, for your family, and your community. Hello, Robert White here once again with Conversations with Achievers, and we've got a really multifaceted achiever uh, coming up for us today. Uh, he's He's got a background that's rich and varied and the classic immigrant success story uh, and uh, a fun guy. So I want to welcome Oscar Joffrey and uh, let Oscar tell you a little bit about his background and how he got to be a, a CEO of his company. Welcome, Oscar. Great to be here, Robert. Thank you. Well, what's your journey? How did you, I mean, it's, it's like, like me, it's uh, long enough to take up the entire hour, but what's the Reader's Digest version of your of your background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The short version, the the twelve uh, twelve slide deck. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, my I think for me it's really simple. I think I, I it, as I look back now, I always knew I was an entrepreneur. It started very early for me. It started when I was eight years old. Um, but when I was older, professionally, um, I only worked for two companies. And that was it. The last company I ever worked for was in 1990. And I'll never forget that. I, I thanked the CEO of the company. I thanked the managers. And I knew at that moment that it was time for me to go. It was just, I needed to start. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any money. Didn't have any. I didn't plan it, nothing. I just knew I had to go. And, uh, that was uh, that. That's how it got started, and since then I've been on on the mission. I I see it. It's all the same. I think we all have different beliefs and different ways of how we approach things. But mine has always been how to empower a, a user in one form or another. Uh, my early days were in, you know, a voice recognition, the ability to speak to computers. I mean. I mean, who wouldn't have liked that in those days? Uh, that moved from speaking to computers to how do we navigate the internet when the world doesn't all speak English? So translation. And and as we graduated from that, that I started moving into more compliance elements of the of the world. And we all remember Enron when they collapsed. That was in a pretty picture, but uh, that provided once again an empowerment that wasn't there. Um, we all had this belief that everybody in the company knew what was going on. Then we discovered in court papers that directors were saying, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. Um, and as we now know, courts are saying that's not an acceptable excuse. You were supposed to know that. So uh, it gave opportunities to building uh, tools to connect people, connect things. And and around uh, in, in 2010, 2011, I probably met the man that just kind of changed everything for me where I am today. Um, so all those years of being an entrepreneur is one thing. Being an immigrant is number two. 
being an entrepreneur and an immigrant and raising capital, I cannot tell you the stress levels. I'm sure we all experience them, but they're always a tad different. But when I heard David Wheels speak about democratization and changing the way companies can access capital, I knew that from this day forward, everything would change. I left that world again with nothing. And I started all over again being an entrepreneur 14 years ago uh, in this journey to democratize capital and to help everyone around the world be able to invest because most people, 99% of people were left out and then the other companies to be able to gain access to capital. So so that was the, the journey that I've been in. I enjoyed it. I'm enjoying it, I should say. I, I'm loving. Is my empowerment the same that it was when I first got started many decades ago? The answer is yes. It's still the same journey. Have I made billions? The answer is no. Have I enjoyed, have I gotten gratification beyond the capital? The answer is yes. I have, I, as an immigrant, I received recognition from our prime minister in our country as a Hispanic leader for my work that I did in translation, bringing the ability for people to communicate. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's, a it's not a small undertaking. Yeah. Uh, and now what I'm doing is changing the way people can make money. I mean, people can, not all of us can sit back and say, wow, look at that. If I just had the opportunity to put $100 in, you know, Yahoo or LinkedIn or Facebook or SpaceX, where would I be today if I did? And nobody should ever have to go through that. And that's what David Wheel changed. He changed my life. And the journey that I'm in is to change everybody else's life. I'm just, you know, uh, following the words and the wisdom that he provided me. Uh, and he opened up for all of us. And, and he's created a whole new sector, not only just in the United States, but globally, by this new empowerment that we all have. Well, many of my listeners I know uh, sometimes struggle around raising money, maybe for a new marketing effort or three warehouses across the North America and, you know, all kinds of reasons. So uh, I look forward uh, as we wrap up today to you uh, getting a little more specific and telling people how they can reach you and talk about uh, a different approach to financing their business. Uh, you know, one of the things, Oscar, that I get consistent feedback on is that people want to know about your journey and particularly about uh, any struggles, any uh, rough, rough parts of the road to uh, ultimate success and how you handled it. Has anything happened in your life where it kind of just bounced you back on your butt and told you that you had to really not just start over financially, perhaps, but start over in your thinking? Um, well, there were a couple of things that happened to us when we first got started, one in 2017 and the other one in 2019. So in 2017, um, building a startup in Toronto, Ontario um, was, I mean, you want to talk about an uphill? I mean, think of the Himalayas and multiply it <laughs> a thousand times. I was at the bottom and trying to get to the top and so what do I mean? Well, Toronto, Ontario was the birth of Ethereum. And oh. and people were drinking that Kool-Aid. They couldn't get enough of it. I mean, people were becoming billionaires, millionaires. It had to be the right way. It, it, it was the only way. 
And here you are, you're the only canary singing out there in the background saying, no, 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 that can't be. Uh, no, nobody was listening. No matter how many times I said it, it, and then trying to raise capital for that was, so we almost, I'm not going to say we almost gave up, but we didn't, we persevered. And the, it was difficult, Robert, because you questioned yourself. You go, okay, are they, I mean, I must be, you know, but I b firmly believed, I, I, I didn't just believe, I did my homework. I knew that eventually the regulators, I wish they would have come out quicker, but they didn't. It only took them a few years. Um, eventually the regulators would say enough is enough and it would come to an end. And, uh, but it was hard because they, people would call you an idiot. Uh, you know, I got hacked a lot. Uh, you know, I got the phone hack, I got bank hacked, I got all of that. So it, because I became the naysayer, but I wasn't trying to be a naysayer. I was just indicating that just because you got a car, that doesn't mean you can take the car everywhere. It's good for the road, but you wouldn't necessarily put it in water or in, a, you know, in the mountains, you would get a different type of car. And I was just saying that this particular uh, technology that everybody thought that it was going to solve the entire world's problems weren't for everyone. It was... It was good for this part, but not for this. But uh, yeah, it was tough. And we kept going. We kept publishing documentation in our team. Dr. Karan Garimela, myself, we kept publishing. We kept speaking. We kept getting booed out in audiences. Um, uh, we got called out many times that we were nothing more than following the establishment. And we weren't. We're disruptors like everybody else. But we knew that you had to comply in order to you know, to be in being in business, in particular, the sector that we're in with capital markets, you're dealing with people's money, right? People need to trust what they're doing. They need to trust everything because otherwise, if we take that away, then it's all for nothing, right? Everything that all the work that David did, opening it up for everyone, if we, if we take it away from everyone, nobody's ever going to come back again. So we kept persevering and, you know, uh, it, it, uh, it just, you know, get materializing. So why 2019? Well, 2019 uh, became the year that um, we were getting close to getting uh, kind of uh, an indication from the SEC that what we were doing was on the right path. It took a year longer, but with COVID, it accelerated it, which was good. So in the end, yes, I, we could have given up in 2017. All the everything that all the markers at that moment was saying, give up, give up. You're going down the wrong path. Everything you're doing is wrong. This is the way to go. This is it. In hindsight now, um, what happened? Well, the best thing that ever happened, FTX collapsed. And I know I'm very sorry. To, I know there are some people listening to this and I'm very sorry you lost money. I really am. But I'm glad because it woke up what it, what needed to be awoken which is the regulators. The regulators have finally stepped in, enough is enough, which means that they let they thought that the market would eventually govern itself. They were hoping for that, but that wasn't happening. It just fraud after fraud after fraud after fraud, and they needed to step in. And, it, and I know most people would think, well, they should have done it sooner. Well, you can't have a capital markets, you know, free market, 
if you don't let people do what they and they they allowed it and people kept selling it as the holy grail blockchain has been sold as you know as the immutable technology the one that's going to solve all the problems and all of these things and but we have one flaw to the technology and that is human beings <laughs> and we, we are the flaw in we the are tech. the flaw you know the we uh, are the flaw the statement about capitalism that i love is that it's brought more people out of poverty, out of abject poverty than any other economic system. And what's also true is it's ripe for manipulation and for people that want to take shortcuts and, and do, you know, it's an old expression. They want to get rich quick. And uh, that's, that's being very human. Uh, uh, it, you know, most of the people that I think are listening to this today have been kind of uh, wary, but interested in blockchain, interested in, in uh, uh, various crypto opportunities that come at us, it seems like every three hours in our workday. Uh, at the same time, uh, most, of, uh, most of my listeners, I think, just go back to work, doing what they love, providing a service that people find valuable and and we'll refer others to, and you know all of those kinds of things. Uh, but I, I think there's a fascination, and and uh, of course, in any kind of uh, hyped up opportunity, you only hear the good stories for a while until you hear the one big bad one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's look the the thing about blockchain technology. I think we all got caught up that it 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 could only be one and. That's sort of like saying to everyone, everyone's going to drive a Ford. Maybe in the beginning it was that way. That's why we have GM, we have Ferrari, we have everything. Because there's a flavor for everyone. Everybody has a different taste. There's a, and, and just because you have a car with four wheels and a, you know steering wheel and doors and all that, but that may not be the right vehicle for this. So I think that's the, hopefully that's the lesson being learned now. I think the industry, the sector, the people that are truly in it there for the long haul have finally figured out that, okay, for this type of use, we're going to use this type of technology. For this kind of use, we're going to use this. That whole theory that everything was going to be under one. And 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 look, I come only from the capital market. So when, when I talk about blockchain, I'm here to talk about how it's going to make it efficient for you. So as you listen to this, it, it's really simple. When you, prior to blockchain technology, you have to look at it this way. You made an investment in a company um, the company would give you a photocopy of a share certificate and an email copy in PDF of the subscription agreement. And that was your investment. You gave them $10,000 and they gave you a couple pieces of paper. That'd be great. And you would have to hang on to that piece of paper. You'd normally go to your lawyer, your auditor, and you would say, hey, can you put that away from me? It's an investment I made or, or your investment advice. That's where it would go. It would sit there and you get emails from the company and could you sell them? Very difficult because you would have to go to the company. The company would have to call the lawyer. The lawyer would say this way. The cost, it just didn't make it work well. So how does blockchain fix all of that? Well, number one, instead of you receiving a piece of paper, now you're receiving information in a ledger in a format that's visually appealing to you, but it's an immutable form, meaning that it says you own 10,000 shares or 10,000 tokens or 10,000 widgets, you own them. You don't need to take them to your lawyer or your auditor. You don't need to do any of that. But not only that, it tells you specifically what your rights are. 
before those rights were buried in a 50 or 60 or 100 page document. So what are those rights? Well, whether you could vote, whether you could sell it, how could you sell it? Who could you sell it to? All that power now is with you and you don't have to do anything other than it, it, it does it for you. So if you try to sell it, it'll, it'll say it can't be sold. If you, so it, it has all the safety nets that it requires. So it, it's not something you put in a wallet as people keep thinking, blockchain has to be in a wallet. No, it doesn't. It never was in a wallet. It, it's not like money. Money you put in a wallet, all that. But investments you put away, you put them, you invest in a company because you hope that one day it will give you a good return. So blockchain technology is going to be the most transformative piece of technology we will see in the private markets. And it's important for everyone here. Last year, just you know, $4.5 trillion was raised by private companies in the United States. So investors like putting money in private companies because in the end, it's where jobs are created, where innovation is created, and where the true benefit or the money's made. So in order to do that, people need to be able to manage it. More investors are putting their money in. So blockchain is going to be able to allow you to manage it and, and then be able to allow you to transfer it or sell it in a more efficient way that never been able to be done before. So it has nothing to do with, you know, the pump and the dump or any of that. It's just purely great, good, wholesome economics um, that are in play. And the regulators in 2012, because Barack Obama signed the Jobs Act and opened it up. So all of a sudden, it isn't just for the one percenters. It's for every person that you're meeting down the street. I mean, imagine that for a moment, just to the example you were giving, someone that needs to, I don't know. I mean, I, I get so many clients that come to us, Oscar, I need to raise, you know, a million to, to build two Starbucks locations. I mean, and people go, wow, that's great. But the average real estate deals are 100 million, so you can't get money from those parties because they think the deal is too small. And then the average individual, wow, I'd love to invest in that. Now they can. And all they have to do is invest $100 or $50. So the, the world has changed. So, and, but in order to change that, in order to allow that magnitude of people, so this is the important part. This is why blockchain is important to what David Wheel did. David Wheel changed one piece of legislation in the United States that said that Oscar and Robert can now sell shares in their companies to anyone in the world over the age of 18. That's 4.7 billion people, 233 million Americans. Okay, that's what he opened up. What was it before? Before that, it was a much smaller group. It was like less than three, four million people, manageable manageable right now you're talking hundreds of millions billions of people so how are you going to do that how are you going to manage all that information how are you going to allow the movement and here's the, the other part this investor in the other group prior to the jobs act was investing fifty thousand two hundred thousand a million dollars this investor is investing a hundred dollars a thousand dollars the only difference is there's more of them so now a company when they look at their cap table, they go, oh, I have 1.2 million shareholders and I'm private. And the, the old ones, they only had 200. So the cap tables have changed. 
the way the relationships we have with uh, the shareholders has changed. It's more, this is our customer, our partner, not this antagonist party there. But because of that, you need a different way of managing information so everyone can be kept, you know, protected and more importantly, to be able to transact. Because if we didn't have blockchain and we didn't have the regulations, everyday individual could not be able to invest in privately held companies in the efficient way as possible. And that's what we've done uh, at CoreChain. We brought the infrastructure so all these participants could do this. And look, it, when Jobs Act came in in 2012, less than, I think, a million dollars had been done. Last year, we, we, we as an ecosystem achieved something phenomenal, $151 billion. Uh, and every year it keeps growing. It keeps growing at a rate of 80 90%, and some years even greater. The point is people are getting used to this. More and more Americans and people around the world are saying, you know what, here's my opportunity to participate. And, you know, and uh, know in my industry, Oscar, uh, there is a methodology for persuasion and communicating mm -hmm. called neuro linguistic programming, NLP, neuro linguistic yes. programming, the powerful use of words, language yes. to affect change. And uh, in the last 20 years, I would say I've, I've probably been approached more than a hundred times of somebody saying that they want to turn that into a standalone uh, general public or corporate training. And I, I keep saying to people, no, it is one of the most incredible methodologies, technology, if you, if you will, that I know I've trained, uh, you know, I had 70 full-time trainers uh, in, in my last company and we used NLP uh, on a group basis. It's slightly different when you use it with a group. We had specialists come in and train our trainers how to do our work more effectively using NLP wow. principles. And, and it was fantastic. And I use it myself in how I communicate with my family, how I communicate with my clients. I think it's fantastic, but it's a lousy standalone product. And I'm reminded of that when I'm listening to you talk about blockchain that it's this incredible tool. It's not a standalone product. It's something you yeah. use to get something done that's vitally important. In your case, uh, the financing of small, medium-sized companies. And uh, uh, so that's very cool. You know, uh, what you're doing is very cool. You know, it sounds to me like I usually ask people about uh, what they've learned on the positive channel about running a business. It sounds to me like persistence is is uh, and I'm paying attention to your gut is part of what you've learned uh, over the years. I think I've always had it. Look at being an immigrant coming into a new country where you don't speak the language, um, you don't get educated here. I mean, I didn't learn to read and write till I was eighteen, over eighteen years of age, um, and now I write books. I I'm. You know, I got a couple of patents under my name. Uh, you, you want something? You have to. It's not going to come to you easy. And for those that it did, fantastic. I applaud you. I, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not saying that everything has to be worked. But it, in my past, I have to work a little bit harder. But I like surrounding myself with smart people. You know, I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for people that are ten times smarter than me. People that are smart and they love teaching. I love learning. I'm like a sponge. 
right? I'm learning the language. I'm learning different things. That's why I travel the world to to experience it. As an entrepreneur, I mean, my journey has been bumpy, lumpy all the way through. COVID was another big shakeup. I mean, 2010, uh, 2019, sorry, not only were we going through the scenario of the regulation where we're going to go with our company, you know, we were also going, how are we going to keep growing our company? And, but, you know, you are persistent. You keep moving forward. While others said, hey, you know, this thing is going to be over. We'll be back at the office. We said, you know what? This is not happening. We're going to need to come up with a new model. And and I understand it doesn't work for everyone, uh, but it's working for us. Our team is distributed. You know, our CTO is in Tampa Bay. We have teams in Florida. We have them in Pennsylvania. We have them in Brazil, in uh, India, Malaysia. We, you, it gives us a different perspective in different things. Um, you know, what we think is important here is not as important over there. Right. You know, case in point today. I don't even know if you know the importance of today. Uh, my wife had to remind me today. Today is International Workers' Day. In the United States and Canada, it's no longer celebrated because we're not, it's not about workers and this. It, we don't have that. We have strike, but, you know, it's we're not back in the 20s. But in the rest of the world, there were millions of people marching for their rights. And still. I remember, still, to the, thank you. So it opens up your eyes that the, the many ways we're ahead and some things and some things were behind. So it gives you a, a, a bit of uh, perspective. So I take our journey as entrepreneurs, yeah, persistent. I got, I, I see that everyone in our team is an entrepreneur with me. The only difference is that they've allowed me to be their leader in that they've allowed my vision to be the one that they're going to follow. But I see them all as entrepreneurs with me. They are, they're going through the same, you know, aggravation as I'm going through. They're going through the same pain. I want them to feel it. There are certain things that they're not going to feel unless they really get on their own. But I want them to feel the pain of everything we go through. That way, it feels it feels natural. It's not something that, you know, they read about it. Oh, I don't remember it was like that. It, it was all peaches and roses when we were there, right? I, it's, it's, uh, it's, it has to be real. So, Oscar, I don't know come, what, we've come to oh, a time sorry. limit. Time limit. Uh, if people are interested in your work, uh, what you're up to in the world, uh, or just yes. want to connect with you, what's the best way for people to reach you? I'm really easy to find. If you go to LinkedIn, Oscar Joffrey, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or you can go to corechain.io um, and you can learn. Uh, we're about to launch uh, Corechain. I know, about to launch after all these years. Um, so you can come and learn how we are empowering the private capital markets fully compliantly, the right way, protecting both the investors, the company and everyone involved. And, you know, that's my mission. So thank you, Robert. Uh, my great pleasure. Thanks for all that you've shared. Uh, I feel like I have a new friend in Canada and, uh, uh, and someone who loves Colorado. So maybe we can share, uh, a drink here in uh, next to the Rocky Mountains someday. Oh, that would be lovely. All right. Thank you again, Oscar. Thank 
Thanks so much for joining us for Conversations with Achievers. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for this weekly show, the details are at therobertwhite.com and click on Podcasts. I'm looking for businessmen and women with a story to tell, stories that might benefit other owners and executives. If you got some value from this program, I'd really appreciate you sharing about it on social media and just mentioned www.therobertwhite.com slash podcast. Of course, subscribing means you won't miss a show and rating the podcast positively will leave Robert smiling. I'm building a movement here for leaders, leaders who want to succeed in business, succeed with their families, have fun, and contribute toward making the world a better place. It's special to me that you chose to listen. I look forward to connecting again next week. Remember, reach out to me anytime with any questions or concerns at therobertwhite.com. Bye for now.